Welcome to the CineScare podcast. I am one of your hosts, Matt Speak. And I am also one of your hosts, Joe Jans. And tonight, Joe, I this is the night to actually wake the kids and phone the neighbors. This is something we talk about it a lot, but actually this is this is the time to do it. Sound the alarms, ring the bells. Yeah, I agree. Because we have Zara Mahler, star of the screen, also the stage, Joe. And uh, sound. What? And sound. And recording and, artist, professional recording artist. Oh, yes. That's Zara true. Mahler. Yeah. And I actually listened to some of the music and it, it's really good. You did a cover of what was the cover that's on Captain that? Captain Army. Yes. 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 Right. Army. And a Fantastic really good cover. cover. Yeah. 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 That's a great song, but a fantastic uh, cover of it, too. I, I um, hope this sounds complimentary, but you have a very Tori Amos vibe. And it's <laughs> meant to be an extreme lot. compliment. Okay. All right. Thank you. Good. Yeah. And, and I, I love actually, the song Archer, by the way. Archer. Archery. Yes. Yeah, thank yes. you. That, that was another good one. Do you have more music coming out, by the way? I do, actually. I'm, I'm in the middle of – before the pandemic, I was working with uh, – three producers on three different albums and and that slowed down up for obvious reasons but um i am still working with one of them currently on same same producer that did Euclidean, which is the album that has those two songs you guys referenced um his name is leo z and we've been working a ton and i'm so so excited to share some of uh well, I guess this this next album that we're doing it's it's uh, going to be in the same vein as the last one, um, a little bit darker. Hmm. Uh, this this next one, and um, yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. So that's that, cool. Ophidian was 2016. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're about due. Yes, you know, I am. I I am. You yeah. Pick up the pace a bit here. Yeah, yeah. Like, it turned out. I hear that a lot too, but I mean, you know, it's, it's also, um, something I used to, I used to feel a lot of pressure. I used to feel like I was behind. Um, but I'm kind of realizing that taking length between is actually really important for me as a musician. I really, really spend a lot of time in, in my writing and, um, really like to kind of understand conceptually and emotionally what I'm trying to say. Um, so, you know, it's, I am due, you are correct, but it, <laughs> well, you too takes a long time between their albums too. I think they do like four or five years. So yeah. there's, there's something to that. And it, you know, some bands, they produce albums every year or singers do, and it's, and each one isn't that great. So it's like, why not take your time and do it? You know, it, then the ones that you do, uh, release will be that much better. Yeah. Go big or go home. You know, exactly. if you're going to do it, do it right. Uh, so Zara is, as I said, she is a screen actor. She's a Broadway alumna and a recording artist. What, what show on Broadway did you do? I did, um, a, a couple things. I did a show that was a new work called soul doctor. Um, and we were up for a little while at circle in the square in New York. And I also did the national tour, uh, Broadway tour of wicked, the musical, Nice. Yeah. Joe and I also have a theater background. Uh, we are uh, th- we were theater majors at a little school in Iowa. No. Um, Matt was a theater major. You weren't? 
You know, we've been such good friends for so long, but yet every episode we record, you seem to misplace or misspeak about something in my my past. Well, I was, I, I was an art major. My versions are always way better than yours. I, I know. I wish I could live the life that you think I lived because I'd be probably in yeah. a totally different place right now. Well, he he worked in Chicago as uh, as a nipple eraser for Sears Roebuck catalog. catalog. Yes. And I will I will live by that story till my dying day. Whether and, it's true or not. Yeah. I guess it wasn't true. He didn't actually get promoted to that job. Um, no, I didn't stick around long enough. You yeah. got to really work your way up the corporate ladder to get to racing nipples off. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah, he, he was a models. graphic uh, designer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, you know, but my stories are so good. I, I wish that your life was the way I tell it. I So do I. Uh, so Zara is an emerging dynamic and multifaceted talent, Joe, and she is on the, she's been on the big screen. She starred in, uh, the Pierce Bro brothers, highly acclaimed creature feature, the wretched, which came out this year, I believe. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Uh, and I, I, unfortunately it was a horrible year for it to be released, but I, I think, See, the funny thing is, you and I have have crossed paths a few times. Uh, oddly, uh, I've followed you, and we've been friends on Instagram somehow for since I, I looked on there the other day, and it said since 2016. And I don't even know how we wound up really? following each other. But I was going to see the premiere of the movie that you were in, Nightmare Cinema, which is uh, if you guys out there haven't seen it it's a really good anthology um mcgarris and joe dante which which is the person the director you worked with um mickey rourke mickey rourke was involved uh, a lot of really you know big time talents both behind the camera and front of the camera were working on that and and so a friend of mine asked me if i wanted to go to the premiere over there at uh destiny typewriter and i i was like okay sure so we go and and uh and when i'm in line i'm looking at instagram and you had posted something about your being in that movie and it's premiering and you were going to be there so it was kind of funny and actually the wretched you know you said it was a bad year for cinema i disagree because you guys held like an unofficial title. Yeah. You were the number one movie in the box yeah. office for like for five most, weeks straight. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. For most movies, um, it was a, a bad year. But for our movie, um, the, the conditions of this year actually ended up benefiting yeah. the wretched. Um, yeah, we were, we were number one in the United States box office, number mm -hmm. one, for, I think five weeks straight, I think you're yeah. right. Go and, and I think the only movies that um, fall into that category are avatar and Titanic. So it, it was a very bizarre sort of um, actually stroke of luck for this yeah. film. Just I don't shortchange yourself. The movie was great. I think if it had come out in 2019, you still could have held number one in the box office for at least four weeks. Thanks. I thought it was very good. Yeah, Love absolutely. It. Not because not because um, the movie isn't strong. I certainly, you know, I loved working on that piece. I'm thrilled with with the final product. Only because indie film doesn't always get um, an opportunity to really mm -hmm. be in the spotlight. You know. Um, yeah. And and it really did allow this this and I'm I'm so passionate about indie film. Um, I think that it it's such a beautiful thing to be able to see art um, 
that's that's fantastic and strong and interesting and captivating um, because of the art form, you know, not because of names and and um, uh, there was there was a really lovely thing about it getting getting a chance to really be seen for what it yeah. was. Yeah, no, and 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 it came out right away. Did it? It didn't come out. Did it come out simultaneously on streaming as well, or or did it come out later on streaming? I think it did. If I remember correctly, it was theaters. I mean, we were supposed to have a theatrical release, like a much a larger theatrical release, and I remember feeling disappointed when I found out that wasn't happening because you know, as an actor working on something like that, that's I, my generation. We went to the movie theaters. It wasn't streaming. So that that felt like such a dream um, at the time, um, but yeah, it ended up being uh, primarily, I think, drive-in drive-in movies. And I guess there was there was a release in other theaters. They just didn't promote it widely to be respectful, um, as far as I know. Um, well, and that's kind of the interesting thing about that movie is that it's perfect for drive-ins because it is yeah. a, kind of sort of a throwback to the yeah. old creature features. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I mean, you're front and center in this thing. You're on, that's you on the poster. I'm, I'm assuming, right Yeah. now, uh, well, we'll get to that in a, in a minute. I want to finish the, let me get through your bio. Um, so she, in 2019, she starred opposite Mickey Rourke and Richard Chamberlain. That's right. Richard Chamberlain was in that in yeah. nightmare cinema, receiving rave reviews for her work under the direction of horror legend, Joe Dante who was, if you don't recall, Joe, the director of Gremlins, The Howling, uh, and many other movies, actually. Um, <clears throat> she also recently guest starred in Fox's hit show, 911. Uh, additional film and television credits include Beyond Skyline, Ghost Whisperer, Saltwater. Saltwater is one that I really want to see because it, it seemed, well, I read the description of it, and it seemed really interesting to me, but I'm, I'm having trouble locating it. Yeah. Do you know? It's not local. You, it, it's not out there right oh, now. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, it wasn't technically released. Um, I'm very close. I mean, I'm close friends with the director, and I've been trying to track it down. It, it's a process. I mean, the thing about it is that I'm. Um, I don't know much personally. I haven't really been on the side of releasing films, so um, I'm interested in trying to push it out there uh, and have it be seen. It's. I think it's an important film. It's. It's a very, very intense, raw, gritty film, but I'm proud of it. And I think um, the subject matter is really important. Um, but I will keep you posted, Matt, like as soon as it is viewable, then I'll let you know. Yeah, that'd be great because uh, that seemed like a really interesting yeah. film and it, and it definitely, uh, it, at least from the way it read, it seemed like something that, that would be a kind of a powerful part for you to play. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, Zara has uh, starred in Broadway productions uh, such as uh, Wicked and Soul Doctor. Uh, other theater credi- credits include Cabaret, Rent, which was directed by Neil Patrick Harris. How was that working for it with him? Great. He's a really humble, sweet, uh, really kind um, soul. <laughs> and, you know, just... It, some of his notable characters. I think people expect a different yeah. sort of persona, but he was a- absolutely lovely to work with. Nice. Yeah. That's, that's always great when you meet somebody like that and 
and they're better than you were expecting because some, yeah. so, so often that's not the case, but, yeah. um, or at least sometimes it's not the case. Um, and then uh, other credits. Oh yeah. Uh, you did. Oh, appropriate at the Mark Taper forum in downtown Los Angeles. She's also a singer and a songwriter. Uh, Zara is currently collaborating on multiple new albums with Grammy, Grammy award winner, Freddie Mux. Is it Mux or Mukes? Mukes, Freddie Mukes. Mukes, Freddie Mukes. Okay. Uh, edit that, Joe. Uh, composer, producer, <laughs> composer, producer, Leo Z, and Grammy Award and nominee and producer, Brian Kihu. Mm -hmm. uh, she has composed songs for popular Korean recording artists, EDM records or groups, and theatrical productions. Her debut album, Ophidian, can be found on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Music, and all the other major online platforms. And and believe me, you should look it up. It's it's a it's a really good album. Definitely and worth a few listens. Definitely, yeah. Um, so, you know, I there's one thing I, I always want to ask people when they've worked with a director that I really like, and Joe Dante is is one of those directors that I just I really like him, and he seems like a really nice guy too. On top of it, I don't know if that's true or not, but uh, but but he obviously has this history. He uh, he worked uh, closely with all kinds of great directors, but then he's a great director in his own right. How was it working with him? And and did you did you find him to be um, you know accommodating and 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 um, you know helpful as an actor? Or or how, what was his style like? Um, working with Joe Dante has been one of the highlights of my um, career, I would say. Uh, you know, it's funny because I have, uh, it was funny to be cast by Joe Dante because I was exposed to horror films way too young. There was no, um, there, my parents were not paying attention. Uh, my dad specifically was not paying attention. And this is when movies were unedited or censored and they were on TV. And so a child could just watch them. And one of the mo the first most traumatizing movies I saw was The Howling. I think I was like six or seven or something. Um, and that was Joe Dante's movie. And so, um, you know, decades later being cast by him was kind of funny um, and ironic. Uh, but he, Joe Dante is such a professional. Um, he's, he's an incredibly gracious director and you know one of the things i'll say about him other than the fact that actually as a director he has such a clear vision of what he wants he knows exactly what he wants and he knows exactly how to communicate not just to the actors but to the crew how to get what he wants and working with somebody um of that status who really is is so comfortable in their voice and knows how to express it um it's just a joy to be able to collaborate with somebody like that. But aside from that, one of the things that was really special about working with Joe, um, that man remained humble and kind and gentle and calm and centered every second, mm. of, you know, never raised a voice. And, and being on a film shoot is usually, it's a high stress. It's a high stress, um, you know, 
experience. Um, things are always in any production, like, you know, um, big budget, low budget, doesn't matter. It's just like so many moving pieces and, and really long taxing hours. And so it's very uncommon um, for somebody to really maintain their composure so gracefully. And there is something incredibly beautiful that happens when the captain of the ship, who is the director, um, treats everyone else with that, uh, that really genuine respect across the board. It trickles down and everybody feels respected and valued. And it makes for really great product, really great art, um, because you actually function as a team and you know, I, I remember while working with Joe thinking, okay, this is, this is an example to all people. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, it was wonderful. He was, he was wonderful to work with. Yeah. It, it seemed that, that everything that you described, it, it just seems, I, I've only seen him a few times, but it just seems that that would be true for sure. Joe, did you have something? Yeah. Uh, speaking of watching horror movies way too young, like all of us did. Uh, did you always want to be an actress when you grew up or was this something you just stumbled on at a later age or like teen uh, years? Or it, I like to say it picked me. Um, there was, it wasn't even that I wanted to be an actor. Um, it, it, it just, I kind of came out that way. I came out as an artist. I've always really just been an artist in, in, in many different ways. Um, but when it comes to music and acting, I just knew. I never questioned what I wanted to do. And to be completely honest, it's kind of these two avenues, um, acting and music, they're the things that inherently, that's where my strength is. Um, and, and I feel very strongly about that being my purpose, storytelling, um, in that way. So I, I cannot think of a time ever in my life when I considered something else. Hmm. Yeah. That's, I, I mean, I, I think that it, it's such a crazy career. You, you'd yeah. almost have to be that uh, crazy about it to stick with it, which I never was like after college, yeah. I came out here for that. I, I'm in Burbank, but uh, I came out here for that. And uh, I just didn't have, I didn't have that desire to, yeah. to if, put myself If there was it. anything else that I was um, really good at or anything else that I was passionate about, I would 100% pick that other thing mm -hmm. over being in the entertainment business. But, you know, my dad was an actor and, um, and actually, I think one of his, I think his debut, I could be wrong here. I don't think so. I think his, one of his film debuts or his first movie i'd have to check this i don't want to i don't want to get this wrong but he was in friday the 13th the final chapter like he's done some horror films as well um and police academy and he was a recurring on seinfeld he's he had quite a career and um there's something about having a parent who was in the business um my dad was not uh he didn't sugarcoat anything for me. When I said I wanted to do this, he really laid out for me that if I took this career path, I had to be prepared to, you know, uh, bite and claw my way through it. And he also really prepared me and said, this is a, a career choice in which you really have to have a, a thick skin and understand that rejection is going to be constant. Um, 
and and prepped me for it and explained right at the get-go when it comes to auditioning in this career, you know, you're going to hear no, the word no, a hundred times for every yes, if you're lucky. And so um, I think there was something really important about him, you know, kind of uh, from his own experience, being able to share that with me. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, what what was that aha moment? What was that one role that you finally got that you were like, that's my break. I'm in this business for good. I'm I've I've made it for lack of a better term. Um I guess there have been a couple. I mean, it it's sort of uh the way that my career has gone, um I guess it's been uh like a non-linear process, you know? So so it's kind of uh a big one for me was uh when I booked um, Sally Bowles in Cabaret, actually in Chicago at, at um, Oak Brook Terrace Drury Lane in, in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Sally there and Sally's such a monster of a character. And um, there was something really big for me at that point in my life about taking a chance, flying to New York to audition for this enormous role and, um, and going and doing that. I mean, you know, the Broadway stuff was obviously, um, those were marked moves for me. Um, I did a, I, I booked a recurring on Major Crimes, which is a show that was on TNT as Mary McDonald's daughter. Um, so that was really, uh, really exciting. Another beautiful family to work with. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I have like a, a specific, I, I just feel like I've, sounds cliche, but I feel like I've just like had a lot of blessings where I've gotten to work on some really incredible uh, projects with some really beautiful creatives. Yeah. I, well, you know, it's never, I don't, I don't know if there's, I mean, I suppose if you got cast as the lead in some giant film, you know, that that's a aha moment, but I think it's more a, a series of, 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 um, victories, you know, and, yeah, and yeah. some people have a break and then other people build their career. Just, you know, it, it's, uh, the night is young. Well, the, Looking at the 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 wretched uh, now that, that was, it seemed to me and it, and I could be wrong but it seemed to me it was a physically demanding role for you because and I don't know if uh, it, it how much makeup they put on you or did you lose weight for for not that you know but you were emaciated in, in that no I'm not and and. and uh, and and there were some moments where it almost looked like they had uh, a prosthetic or something, or was that just you contorting yourself uh, in that way? Because and you're referring, you're not referring to the actual when you see the monster, right? Because there's there's sort of you know there's so much body swapping, and and also just uh, for the very um, smart Joe. Uh, to be to stay careful, especially in this climate. Yeah, so, no, I understand. Yeah, I, I will tell you just for the remainder of the interview, I am not precious or sensitive about any of that. There's okay. nothing you guys can ask. Yeah. It really doesn't matter, Matt. No. She called me smart. That's, that's all that <laughs> I'm taking away from this. So. No, my 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 point was that, that a lot of times an actor will lose yeah. even more. Not that you yeah. have to lose weight, but it, but an actor will lose even more weight for right. a role. And 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 there were a lot of moments where you have to be very um, 
you know, vulnerable out there and, and your body is kind of contorted in a way that it just seemed, um, how much of that was you and how much of that was. Yeah. Um, well, uh, basically, uh, do I need to be worried about spoilers? Uh, no. no. <laughs> you know okay, what? Well, to anybody listening, spoiler. Spoiler alert. Spoiler there we alert. Go. You get yeah, that out of the way. If you haven't seen it yet, you're an idiot. Go yeah. see it. Hit pause, watch The Wretched, and then come back and listen and to the come back. Yeah, um, We got it handled. Yeah. So um, it's. I mean, it's not a huge spoiler that something happens with you because that happens fairly early. Right. So when the the witch is in Abby's body. Any time that you see any version of Abby, which is my character, that's me, including like the contortion and the twitching and like all of that stuff. Okay. Um, once we're later in the film, you know, and, and we, we have the reveal of the monster, I'll say yeah. that's a really incredibly talented actress and contortionist named Madeline was, and, and she's, I was not involved there once we're under on the ground yeah but um, for me yeah i um (laughs) i have no like training in contortionism but i've always been sort of like very flexible and sort of bendy and um and yeah i uh i i think i I lost a little bit of not nothing major. I mean, I'm, I'm generally a small framed person. Um, You didn't go into it saying I need to lose even more to make myself look even more emaciated for this part. But I I always take that into account when I do any role. And um, I mean, it's, it's a, it's essentially there's something inhabiting a body that's no longer alive and walking around. So, um, yeah, this, this was, this was interesting. I mean, I, I've been in this business for such a long time that I'm pretty desensitized to my own like nudity on set. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's something about like when it comes to nudity, uh, when it's a horror film, when it's not gratuitous, you know, it wasn't sexualized nudity, it was actually scary. And, um, that's something that, uh, I don't know when you step into a character like this for me as an actor, I don't feel exposed because I'm inhabiting that character. So it's actually a very powerful feeling. Um, I think that if I were playing a different role, I might have a different experience. Um, but I liked that. I remember when the directors like asked me if, if I was comfortable with that scene and they were, I think a little trepidatious about it, but when they explained and they showed like their storyboarding, I was like, sign me up, let's do this. This is, and and actually that scene that you're, you're referencing is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. And, um, it's, it's chilling, uh, child there. And, um, yeah, it uh, it was fun. A cold, cold movie, cold shoot. Hey, speaking oh. of physically demanding, uh, I have a question because yeah. I'm not sure if you're aware. Matt and I are from the Midwest. Uh, mm-hmm. That's where we were raised. I'm actually coming to you live from Davenport, Iowa. I come from a long generation of hunters. So I got to ask, have you gutted many deers? Because he looked <laughs> awful comfortable. 
around that deer carcass, which threw me for a bit of a loop in that movie. I've, I've definitely never gutted anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was, it's, it's funny because that was my first day on set. So I, I think I said this in another interview at some point, but I it really, my experience of my first day on that was like, I got off the plane driven to set and they were like, here's a bucket of gore, which can, you know, had like actual insects in it and a bunch of synthetics that was like horrifying looking and basically was kind of just doused in gore right off the plane. And I was like, okay, here we go. This is what this is going to be. Yep. That's, that's setting this tone for the rest of the movie. Yeah, you know, when I, you start I, off with venison, it can only go down from there. It's downhill. It's, yeah. One of the things I loved about that film, though, that spoke to me about the script, and, and it is different, the final cut is different than the, the, the movie, The Wretched, actually used to start with Abby in the car with her son hitting the deer. And oh. that scene, we shot it, it was cut. But there was something so uh, interesting and different and fresh about that, that script for me, starting this film with a deer being hit and brought back to a house and something crawling out of it. Like it was just. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad you actually cleared that up. I know initially my first thought was, what did she take her son out in the woods and they just, you know, they're bow hunting or something. And what a woman, you know, she's bringing home dinner for the next couple of weeks. That was a nice sized venison you had there. uh, (laughs) I guess you hit it with a car. It's a little bit easier of a hit. Sure. Just big on venison. Oh, Nothing like deer jerky. Uh, not, not to sound like the epitome of somebody from the Midwest. Yeah. Well, you know, you went through the ringer a lot in uh, Nightmare Cinema, too, because uh, you, I, you, well, you spent half of that episode, it seems like, in a, a, with the facial wrap. Yeah. Uh, how, much of the make, how much makeup did you have to go through during that? Well, yeah, I mean, that last scene, the reveal in that, obviously, that was full prosthetics. I've never done prosthetic work like that before. It was my first time um, sitting in a chair for seven hours, six hours, whatever it was. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we did like a major, I've been cast before, but this was full. And um, the people we worked with, the makeup department, phenomenal. They did phenomenal work. And I have to say, I have a whole new level of respect and, and um, appreciation for actors who go through that type of makeup every day for certain roles. Um, and it's crazy because when you're made up uh, to that extent, like you have to eat lunch and stuff like that wearing, and it's heavy. It's a lot. Um, it's also great. It's, it's mask work, essentially. I mean, you really can become something else it's amazing how much that can influence um the actual craft like the work of acting to be uh but but yeah i guess you're right even before the full prosthetics it was like always some sort of binding and around the face and well a uh, lot of a lot of your eyes you know because the 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 only thing we saw for a lot of that were your eyes through the the thing once once we got into the actual surgery or whatever Mm -hmm. I would I would hope they would have brought you food onto set on that last day oh. and not like making you go through a drive through you know, <laughs> with the right. full prosthetic it's on. Uh, my character had a scar in that, as you know, and I yes. did. Actually, that was really interesting. That that was a part of the, the story, really. And I did in the scar makeup because that was more subtle. I did occasionally go and get a coffee or grab food. And um, it was a great experiment because I, I got to actually experience 
what a person with a um, obvious facial scar goes through. I noticed how sure. many people looked and tried to look like they weren't looking, and I got to bring that into the into the work, into the character. But in that full final horrifying prosthetics, no, they, I was not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, give someone a heart attack. That, that and then you uh, worked. How was uh, working with Mickey Rourke? <laughs> Um, you just I, took my question, Matt. Uh, I mean, it, I, that was an obvious question. So. Yeah, I um, I had a great experience working with Mickey Rourke. He is a character, like the person who he is. Um, he just kind of has this energy um, that fills up the entire space he's in. And um, one of my favorite stories about Mickey Rourke, you know, and he's just like this, this huge human and, and persona and he's, um, intense. He was very, very kind, um, to, I enjoyed working with him and actually, sorry, side story. I just finished a song. Um, I just finished recording a song with my producer. That's going to be the end titles song from another movie he's in. So Mm -hmm. technically, that will be released in a few months. So it's another horror movie that he's, he's in called war hunt. So I guess, um, I guess I'm working with him again in some capacity, yeah. but anyway, one of oh, my favorite great. stories about Mickey Rourke is something others wouldn't know is he, he had at the time, he had a Pomeranian on set with him at all times as close as possible. Like even when he's filming that dog is, and the dog's name was number one, Number one, name of this Pomeranian. And number one is always present when Mickey is there and just several feet off screen. So um, it was, you know, I was kind of tickled by that because it's not necessarily what you would expect. But, yeah, uh, I had heard that. In fact, I had seen, uh, well, when he won the Academy Award for The Wrestler, I think, it, uh, or, or some award that I saw him doing a speech, uh, he talked about his dogs yeah. and, uh, and, and thanking his dogs and saying that the dogs were what saved his life. Yeah. Yeah. He talked to me as well about his dogs. Very, very sweet. And I'm a dog lover. So. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, so. Let me see here. Well, one of the things that we do, I don't know if you have one or not. Um, Can I, I have a very important question I got to ask. I was wondering if you're able to tell us anything at all about uh, your upcoming role, the Manson girls. Oh yeah. You know that, unfortunately that project's on hold. It's been on hold for a little while. So I don't know the status. Um, Susanna Lowe is directing that movie and um, I don't, it, I was cast as Mary Brunner, um, mm. which is one of, I think, Manson's wives and Manson's uh, child eventually, but um, I don't know the status on that. Okay. So, yeah. I had to ask. Yeah, I was, actually, I was going to ask about that too, because uh, that one seems like a pretty interesting oh, project, yeah. but you haven't even begun filming on that no. one yet? Okay. Um, so one of the things we do here is we do a ghost story at the end of the episode. So I don't know if you have a ghost story uh, or not, but if not, I do have one (laughs) that a listener sent in. Um, Oh, let's do that. I mean, I'm sure I could like dig around and find one, but let's listen to a ghost story from a listener. I would love that. Well, it's a quick one. Uh, 
And this is Joe's favorite part of the whole episode. It's it's a it's early Christmas for me that I get yeah. to hear these. It's Halloween. It's Halloween year round in my house. So. Right. Okay. Same here. Same here. Yeah. My wife and I are Halloween nuts, and yep. uh, so, uh, well, Johnny or uh, Joe. I'm sorry. <laughs> Your name is Joe. We've um, known each other like 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the the guy who sent it, his name is Johnny. Okay. Oh, okay. So, but your name is Joe. So I'll call you Joe. Joe, there's a guy named Johnny Rainus in Davenport, Iowa, who sent me this ghost story. All right. Right here in Davenport? Right here in Davenport, Iowa. Or not here. I'm I'm actually carving up a deer right now. Yeah, I'm in Burbank right now. But you are in Davenport. And Johnny Rainus sent this from uh, Davenport. It's a, a bit of a legend combined with his own personal experience, Joe. So, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but tucked right on the Mississippi River is McClellan Heights. I'm very well familiar with McClellan Heights. McClellan Heights, Zara, is a very nice area of Davenport, Iowa. Very old area, old money. Uh, lots Huge of huge mansions oh. on top of a hillside overlooking the Mississippi River. Yeah, rolling hills. It's absolutely beautiful, but it has a darker past. Uh, I don't know if you know this, Joe, but uh, Camp McClellan was a Civil War prison and later was turned into an, a Native American prison. Uh, and uh, many deaths happened there. I, I don't don't quote me on how many. I don't know, but I, I know it's in the thousands. Many. There are many deaths there. Uh, so Johnny did not know all of this when he bought his house across the street from the old McClellan camp uh, prison. Um, I don't know. He might've still bought it anyway, because it was a beautiful craftsman, but he and his wife, he didn't say his wife's name, but I'm going to call her Jenny. He and his wife, Jenny bought an old craftsman style home just across the street from Lindsay park. It's not McClellan park. I guess it's, it's, it was McClellan camp McClellan, but they decided to call it Lindsay park. Of course. I I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure why that tidbit of information was important to me, but I had to get get our producers and our fact checkers together on that one. Yeah. So he and his wife, okay, so they bought this house unaware of the atrocities that had happened across the street or or even not atrocities, just people dying. And strange things started happening, Joe, You might, as you might guess. One night, he and his wife fell asleep on the couch watching television. Now, this if, you, if you're aware of what old craftsman houses look like, they have a front porch, a front wooden porch, right? So he and his wife... They fall asleep watching TV and he hears footsteps coming up the front steps. And you're going to put footsteps in this part, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Don't do the one that it sounds like they're walking down a hall, though. Do one where it sounds like they're walking on a porch. I'll see what I can find. Um, so uh, he hears footsteps coming up the front steps and across the porch to the front door and stops. So he kind of looks up. His wife's still asleep, Jenny, and nothing. And he's like, that's strange. And then the footsteps come across the porch over to the front window just to his left. Nothing. So he gets up, looks out the window, expecting to see somebody looking in the window. No one's there, Joe. One day, this is a different day. I mean, that was that was the end of that segment, I guess. Part two is he and his wife were eating lunch in their kitchen at the kitchen counter. And he 
as he's eating the sandwich, he describes it. He didn't describe this very well, but as he was eating the sandwich, he thinks he sees like something white out of the corner of his eye. He kind of glances and there's nothing there. And he's eating. He looks over at his wife and she's sitting there with a, with sandwich in hand, staring at the doorway with mouth open. And he says, honey, that was his name for her, I guess. What's wrong? And she says, babe, which is, was her name for him. I just looked up and saw a person standing there in the doorway in a white t-shirt and he disappeared. Then later one day, he's one night, he's sitting alone in the house watching a movie and he suddenly, there's, he's in the living room, there's stairs going upstairs. He suddenly gets this feeling like there's something upstairs. Like something is, is, is coming down the stairs and he gets this feeling so strong that he actually has to leave the house. He leaves the house, calls his wife to come, uh, well, calls his wife to meet him someplace and then they come back home. But these feelings like this seem to have happened to Johnny and his wife periodically until they sold the house five years after that's, that's quite a uh, uh, thing to go through, buying a whole house. I, you know, I just, I love how you paint the picture, Matt. It's, uh, I feel like I've gotten to know these people so much now, especially Johnny and Jenny. They're Johnny like and Jenny. friends of mine. Now that I know, you know, it's it's Honey and... Uh, babe. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Honey, honey and Babe. And babe. Yeah. Honey and Babe. Well, I, I suppose I could have come up with a, a more creative name than Jenny. Jenny. His name's Johnny. But no, I, I, you sold me on it. It's he didn't Jenny and Johnny, honey Johnny, and Johnny, if you're Sorry out there, please. Stuck up in here now. <laughs> Johnny, please message me on, on uh, Facebook or, or email us what your wife's name is. Jenny. And then we'll say it next, next time. Uh well, I'm going to have to drive through McClellan Heights now and look for honey and babe on the mailbox somewhere. So, Well, they don't live there anymore, Joe. Oh, it's true. They sold the house. Where'd they yeah. go? Do we know? Uh, he didn't say. Ordering address? No. He, doesn't, he did not say. No, I, I suppose he doesn't want anyone knowing where he lives after that experience. <laughs> so that's that's my big story for this week, Joe. Uh, you know, you have Fair to embellish fantastic. things a little bit because the, the uh, story, they, well, they're not written by. You know, the, the interesting thing is, like, it at, on paper, it's not, it doesn't sound like that much. But when you do actually have an experience like that, where you see something and it's unexplainable, it's, it's really intense. Yeah. You know? oh, it'll, it'll be intense once we add the sound effects and post. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's a whole, it takes it to a whole nother level. You'll love it. Yeah. Yeah. I trust. Uh, <laughs> have you had anything happen to you I've though? Had, I've had experiences like that. You know, I, I, I'm always hesitant to label the experiences that I, that I've had. I I don't not believe in ghosts necessarily. Um, I believe that there are things that are unexplained that I that I don't have an explanation for, and we don't have an explanation. And I'm kind of one of those people who sort of um, doesn't believe but doesn't not believe, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, when it comes to these things, I'm just sort of open to, or I guess like humble enough to say, I, I don't know why yeah. or what that is, but yeah, I, I have experienced things like that. Um, heard voices before, um, went to a doctor once, uh, about that, <laughs> but, um, uh, full disclosure, but, um, wonderful thing to say on an interview that, <laughs> so, um, edit, Joe will edit that out. Yeah. We can cut that right out. Nobody will ever know. Honestly, I'm at that point in, I'm at a point in my life where I'm just like, listen, this is, 
this is what it is. And I'm really just like not ashamed of anything. But Joe, um, edit out the whole part about where I was talking about weight too. That that needs to go. Oh, <laughs> I to- look not not um no because if i do that then it takes out the part where she called me smart (laughs) that's why actually (laughs) it's worth it Um, but yeah i've I've had that on a loop i've had some strange experiences where i've um seen sensed heard uh things that that weren't there um you know and uh those moments can be really, really intense when they happen. And it's like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't sound terrifying to necessarily on, on paper, but when you actually live that type of experience, um, it can be pretty crazy. Yeah. You know, I feel like, uh, I don't know if they exist or not. It doesn't really matter. I, I have no, you know, I, I, I do like watching those ghost hunting shows just for the entertainment, but I don't really, uh, you know, I, I would just rather, live in a world where there's the possibility they do exist. Ghosts exist. And, and I just, there is. yeah. And I'm, and I'm, what's that? We don't know. That's right. the yeah. thing. So it doesn't really matter to me whether people try to prove it or not. I, I just, yeah. I like the stories and I, th- and yeah. I find them fun and they're, it's you know, fun. yeah. I like yeah. Zara's answer. I mean, that's probably the most realistic answer you could give is I'm humble enough to realize that, you know, this universe is so big and expansive. Who am I to say definitively whether there's other things out there or not? Yeah. I think that's the most down to earth answer I've heard anybody answer with. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So I appreciate that. I and my I, hat to you. Yeah. Thank you. And I mean, I definitely, um, I think we've all, many of us have experienced at least the fact that there are different energies, places mm-hmm. contain the energy inside of one house is different than inside another. And I don't know if that has to do with, um, you know, gravitational pull or, or this or that, or like, I don't, I don't know what that is, but I do know that um, there can be shifts of that nature. And sometimes you're someplace and you feel something and it's not, it's not psychosomatic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, just ask Honey and Babe. Honey and Babe. Can yeah. Yeah. Honey and Babe. They and uh, Johnny and Jenny. They, you know, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> those guys. Uh, they had some real experiences, Joe. <laughs> uh, so, th- this has been a great, great episode. Um, thank you so much for coming. I next week, uh, I think we're going to do our top ten uh, cool. horror movies of twenty twenty. Uh, but this was a, a fantastic interview. We really appreciate you coming. Um, we're also working on Joe, uh, uh, somebody else who may be coming, uh, in a couple of weeks too, that I'm not going to disclose yet, but, uh, it's going to be a fun one. It's and called a teaser. It's a, that is a teaser. So please everybody hang around. Uh, and again, if you're already at this point, I hope that you have woken the kids and called the neighbors. Uh, because Zara Mahler was on our show and uh, she's an up and coming actor. She's already arrived. Let's just face it. She was in the number one movie this last summer for five weeks straight. And um, she's worked with great directors and uh, she's got some great music out there and great music coming. So everybody go to Apple. Uh, what is it? iTunes, <laughs> Apple music. Well, um, or, any of the platforms. Any, any of the platforms. Spotify. Yeah, and uh, and you will find, 
Sam Goody, Zara Mall, or you know what? What was that? Uh, yeah, Sam Goody was the uh, record store. What was the mall Dis- record? Store? It's Jockey. It's Jockey. It's Jockey Tapes and Records. Sam Goody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would be great. Are you on vinyl, by the way? I didn't do it. I almost did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost did a small release vinyl, and I didn't. Maybe it's, maybe for this next one. It's kind of costly, isn't it? Or it's a it's bit of pretty costly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's CDs, but worth I, every dime. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, thanks everybody for listening and we will see you next time. Merry Christmas, everybody. Thanks for having me. It's really, it's been a pleasure. I had a lot of fun. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Thank you.